Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 72 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live, talk show, and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Milanich of GratefulGarden.biz. Today we are talking with the lovely Trevor Cates about your skin as the magic mirror that gives clues about the overall health of our bodies. Tiffany and I are really, really thrilled to have her on the show. It's going to be really great. It is. That's a huge, uh, huge issue with us thyroid patients, so I'm super, super, super excited. Uh, of course, if you've missed any of the Thyroid Nation radio podcasts, you can super easily download and listen to them at your leisure on iTunes, Stitcher, and Acast. Yes. There's all kinds of places, but those are the top ones. So I know, right? Shows, just, just head on over to, to iTunes. And if you're on an Android, I guess it's uh, something else. I can't remember. Okay. So Dr. Trevor Kate has received her medical degree from the National College of Natural Medicine and was the first woman licensed as a naturopathic doctor in the state of California. Wow. She was appointed awesome. by former I know, right? She was appointed by former governor and actor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, to California's Bureau of Naturopathic Medicine Advisory. Cancel and served on the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians Board, and she's done all kinds of things. And she she's been in the Glowing um, Skin Summit. She has her own uh, line of skincare. She believes that uh, skin is our magic mirror, which gives clues about the overall health of our bodies, which I said earlier. And when we restore balance, our skin is clear and glowing. And she is dedicated to helping her patients and customers discover the clean and natural path to confidence and beautiful skin. Fantastic, and we are all about that. So we are definitely looking forward to talking to her. And super excited, and it looks like she's with us. So let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. Let's do it. Good morning, Dr. Cates. Hi, it's great to be here. How are you? Awesome. Good, good. Yeah, beautiful day. Yeah. Where are you? Are you in no, Utah, we're- home, or traveling? I'm home in Park City, Utah. Gorgeous day. Super blue sky, perfect temperature. Love Park City. Oh, my goodness. So is it mountainous, or are you in a deserty type region? Park City is a ski resort town, so it's very mountainous. Oh, of course. Hello. <laughs> I, just realized. I, I was like, I was like um, where did you drop in from? Which planet? Yes. <laughs> goodness that's too funny well for some reason just when I think of Utah in my head I think of all those amazing mountain ranges and rocks and you know which looks you know deserty but uh, that just don't mind me <laughs> my goodness that's Wyatt. too funny and we we named Wyatt um we love we've never been to Bryce Canyon Utah but we plan to someday but we love the name and uh so his actual first name is Bryce um but we call him by really? Wyatt so yeah you didn't know that know that no. <laughs> okay well we will it have a beautiful to... state very varied you know we do, do have the you know the red rocks and all of that and then we have beautiful skiing and it's it's a beautiful state yeah well so is skiing well, one um, of your favorite sports yes it is I, I i can't imagine living in park city and not if you don't love skiing or some sort of winter sport because it, we do have a lot of snow here so yes i love skiing Oh, and wow, I've and seen so you. Even... I've seen some of your, 
I've seen some of your ski pictures, and I also saw, I think, one of your podcasts or live. I saw you live on one of the ski lifts one time, so that was kind of fun, or in a gondola or something, right? Yeah, I've done a couple of those. I did, um, yeah, Dave Asprey interviewed him on the gondola at the Canyon Ski Resort, and I interviewed oh, cool. Pet- Dr. Petram Shojai on, on the ski lift. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and find that and watch it. That would be very cool. Oh, they're very neat. Definitely. Well, let's, let's get, let's get started. Let's talk about some skin and, and will you tell us a little bit about you and kind of how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, as you said, I'm a naturopathic physician and I've been practicing for 16 years and I, um, I, I really love what I do, and part of why I love what I do is that I I learned from an early age the power, the healing powers of nature and natural medicine because of my own health issues, and that's what kind of led me on the path. And when I was a kid, when I was around the 11 years old, I was a very sick kid. I had a lot of reoccurring infections, a lot of allergies, and a lot of skin issues, a lot of hives and eczema, and those sorts of health problems. And my parents took me to see a lot of different um, specialists, allergy specialists, and ears, nose, and throat doctors, all these different specialists, and nobody could really help me. And I just kept feeling worse, and I would have adverse reactions to the medications I was on or develop allergic reactions to them. And I remember at one point, one of the allergy specialists told my parents there was nothing else that they could do for me. They were just going to have to move away from Virginia because I was allergic to the things there. And so luckily they didn't, my parents didn't give up. They kept searching and they found a holistic practitioner. And that holistic medicine was the one thing that turned my health around. And so I was, I started to feel better. I could go back to school and I felt like more of a normal kid because I had gotten to the point where I felt so uh, miserable and abnormal that uh, it, it showed up with my confidence and I had these little bumps on my face and I was afraid to go to school because the kids would think I was afraid they'd pick on me. And so, right. I, you know, I was just so relieved on so many levels to, to find this different approach and so from an early age, it's just, it's been a huge passion of mine. And so I love being able to help other people on this journey as well. Okay, so, oh, that's amazing. so, so you did have like food allergies and things like that, right? Yes, I had food allergies. I actually had a mold exposure too. There was some mold in my home that was part of the reason why I was, I was sick as well. So but there, oh, there, was, there were a number of things. So that... Um, you know, having that more of a holistic approach is really what helped me at that time. And and then I started focusing a lot on skin about five years ago when I was working in uh, a world-renowned spa, and I was became known as the spa doctor. And people kept we come and see me for a number of different reasons. Um, you know, weight loss. They wanted to lose weight, or they couldn't. They were having problems with insomnia or hot flashes, menopause issues. And I would help them with these different things. And one of the things that they would say was their skin cleared up. And and so then they would tell their friends, oh, you know, this is you know this is what happened. So then people started to come and see me a lot for skin issues as well. And 
so it, it was interesting because I, I, I always thought it, it just made sense when you use a more holistic, a more natural approach, your skin is going to improve. But I, get, I realized that it wasn't so obvious to other people. So that's one of the reasons why I focus a lot on that is to help people realize that, you know, your skin is your largest organ. It's right on the surface of your body. And it's a great tool to show you what the overall health of your body is. Because if you have issues like dry skin or if you have acne breakouts or eczema, any of these issues, it's a sign that something's out of balance. And sometimes it's an early sign. So if you can catch that early and and address it before it becomes a bigger issue, then it can really save your health and and probably save your life. I totally agree. And I think that is, I think it's so wonderful um, that you do and you think that way because it really is, it's, it's, it's your largest organ, and I have to jump in, and I think Tiffany's probably heard this a thousand times, but I have had, sometimes I do, have cystic acne, like terrible, awful, like, uh, of course, don't want to leave the house or even see anybody, painful, all kinds of things, and that started in my early teens, and yeah, they put me on Accutane, and it just mm-hmm. infuriates me. I mean, if we had done some blood work or, or, or anything other than just putting me on Accutane, um, you know, who knows where I'd be right now. But uh, so I love that you take the natural approach because there's so much that can be done and um, to help people, you know, with cystic acne or just breakouts or whatever, but your skin is so telling. Right. And and the typical approach is just to suppress skin issues that when they show up to just put um, to you know, put people on Accutane. That's usually not the first choice, but um, Accutane <laughs> no. is now off the market. But it's been it's re, it has a different name now. But um, you know, to suppress it with steroid creams or to yeah. um, you know take antibiotics or whatever. The conventional approach is generally to just suppress it to get rid of it without addressing what is triggering it. And not really, they're not really getting to the root cause. And if you're just suppressing a symptom and you're not getting to the root cause, it's just going to fester up and show up in some other way. So you might, you know, might get rid of the acne or the eczema for the short term, but then it's either going to return with a vengeance or it's going to show up as another health issue. That's me. <laughs> yeah. uh. Well, we could get in. We could get into the root cause of you, but we're not going to do that this morning. Let's not, please. <laughs> so you you told us a little bit uh, about the premise of the magic mirror, but why do you call the skin the magic mirror? You talked a little bit about that and kind of touched on that, but tell us why you call the skin the magic mirror. Yeah, I I think it's it's just such a great tool for for people to use. Um, and you can look in the mirror at your skin, and if you if you notice things that have suddenly shown up, or maybe you have chronic skin issues, but if your skin changes, then then it's a sign that something is going on. And so you can think, okay, what did I do differently? What did I eat differently? What 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 maybe you use different skincare products? Or maybe you um, you're really stressed. That could be another big trigger. Maybe it has something to do with hormones. So there are a lot of different root causes. But if you're looking at your skin, 
you can get great clues about what's going on overall health. And and I think that instead of just looking at it as something that's annoying, which of course you know it is annoying to have acne or or eczema, especially if it's on your face, but instead of just suppressing it right away, let's try and figure out why it's happening and use more of a natural approach, more of an integrative approach, using the least invasive medicine possible to help support the body. And, and, and it can clear up. It does, you don't have to go resort to things like Accutane. Your, your skin can improve um, without having to take those drastic measures. And so um, it, that's, that's why I call Skinner Magic Bear. Well, and if you just think about it, I mean, can you imagine, you know, I was a teen, I hate to go back to me, but it's just a, an easy thing to, to relate to. That's great. So you have um, an example. I think it's right. You're me. Um, I was a teen, and, I mean, you know, gosh, I can't even imagine what I was eating, Stouffer's and, and Coke and Gatorade and, and just, I don't know, for lunch. And can you imagine just what changing my food and maybe adding some water or even water with lemon could have possibly done for my skin and my health back then? I mean, just that one simple thing, right? Right. And then instead, you were you were given probably some topical treatments to suppress it, and then when that didn't oh. work, then they gave you Accutane. Is that correct? Oh, yes. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's frustrating. So it's refreshing to, to talk to you because this is kind of how I think everybody should do. I think this is the, the way of the future. And, and Tiffany, I say on, on several shows, that I'm pretty sure psychiatrists and, and that whole field um, someday soon, I hope, will do blood work first before they just start passing out popping pills and stuff. Right, right. Oh, and, and even dietary changes, my goodness. I mean, you look at, you know, you know, I see quite a few teens that with acne and they're just big sugar eaters and sugar just will just drive acne like there's no tomorrow, you know. So sometimes that's, a super simple, you know, super simple fix, don't you think, Dr. Cates? Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. Sometimes it is more complicated if people have been struggling with this skin issue for a while, but if it's, you know, especially if you catch it early on, it's quite, quite simple and it doesn't have to be a complicated thing. And sometimes it is like some, something like taking out sugar or cutting back on sugar or finding, just identifying a couple of trigger foods. Sometimes it's that right. simple. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that it, it is important to, to address these things because, you know, you're talking about teenagers and acne and really anyone with skin issues. It really affects people's self-esteem and their confidence. Oh, and, big time. And it, it creates a lot of emotional issues for people. I know that it was really tough for me as a kid, and it's a tough time to be at that age and trying to create a sense of identity of who you are and then look in the mirror and see acne or bumps or whatever it is that are the skin issues. It it can be really hard for that to, to happen, and people get pretty desperate and upset. Again, sure. ding, 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 yeah. that was me. <laughs> And, you know, yeah. I even had it, I've even had it, you know, um, before I moved to Costa Rica, I had extreme about with cystic acne and had to go and have it lanced. And it was, I won't give any gory details, but it really, really was awful. And none of my things had been addressed. I didn't 
find out I, I had uh, Hashimoto's at that time. I didn't know. And, and I thought I was eating healthy and doing the right things. And of course, all of that is opposite of what I was, you know, doing, I was doing the opposite than what I should have been doing, but, you know, drinking the, the vitamin waters, or I mean, they've changed them now, but, you know, I just wasn't looking at uh, more natural, organic ways to, to live and eat. And uh, it was terrible. And talk about embarrassing as an adult, not even just as a teen, but as an adult. I mean, it was really terrible. Mm-hmm. And how yeah. often do we hear that yeah. with Hashimoto's? You know, women that, oh. that never broke out before, that all of a sudden, you know, uh, in their 40s or once they were diagnosed, all of a sudden they were having breakouts that they'd never had before. You know, here they're thinking, are you kidding right. me? <laughs> I'm yeah. way beyond that. And, and all of a sudden I'm breaking out. Yeah, and hormones are one of the big triggers for skin issues. I I, I talk a lot about this. And, um, part, you know, we, we kind of know that because, when we see, you know, kids go through puberty and they start to break out, we know that they're having hormonal changes. Or maybe as women, certain times in the month, we might notice that we start to break out more. Um, so we kind of know that. But I think a lot of times people forget. And when it comes to thyroid, um, you know, if, if, if someone's thyroid is off, skin is one of the ways that it shows up. And sometimes that's one of the really early signs, like with hypothyroidism, dry skin, for example. So if somebody comes in to see me and they have really dry skin, I'm not going to just tell them, use a moisturizer. Um, I want to know why they have dry skin. And then I'm going to look at for, you know, other signs of hypothyroidism. And then if it swings the other direction where people become more hyper thyroid, then their skin's going to tend to be more oily. Um, and, and they're going to have issues with that. And then with autoimmune, all kinds of things can happen. Sometimes people with autoimmune thyroid disease develop psoriasis also because it's another autoimmune skin. It's an autoimmune, another autoimmune disease. And then also, like you're saying, some of the cystic acne can occur too. So, and all Mm. kinds of things with autoimmune. Oof. I have a friend who has like this, this rash because of, you know, the gluten didn't realize and then cut the gluten out and it of course went away. Right, and vitiligo is another example of an autoimmune condition that, that if that's unaddressed, then that can worsen as well. So you've talked, just touched on some of the skin changes, but what are, what are skin changes to look for that, that there's a sign that the body is just is not well? Well, you know, of course if you have chronic skin issues, you're going to know. You're going to see them every day. Right. You look in the mirror and they, they bother you. Um, but for somebody maybe that has, has normal skin and then all of a sudden they start to have changes, really any change in the skin is something to look for. Um, and you can look in the mirror each day as you're brushing your teeth, just kind of, you know, check out, check out your skin or before you're getting in the shower, you can look at your skin and, and just look for changes. Um, of course, dryness or um, pimples, any changes, like you feel like your skin is aging more rapidly or um, any kind of rashes, redness, changes in molds or new little bumps that show up. These are, these are things you want to look for, and, and it gives you an indication that something is, is, um, is out of balance and you need to address it. You need to take a closer look at it, find out what's going on. Hmm, that's a great tip. And the, the the facial skin as well as the whole body, right, Dr. Cates? We're looking yeah. at everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Right, right. I mean, this, our skin on our face, we oftentimes notice the most 
uh, because we put clothing on the rest of our bodies. But that's why I mentioned before you get in the shower, just doing a little skin check, looking over your skin. Um, and, you know, I think it's good to to go and get a skin check with your doctor or dermatologist once or once a year, maybe every other year, especially if you have any suspicious little bumps or moles that have made a change that have been changing. It's good to, to be proactive on that and catch those things early. My sister-in-law, mm-hmm. again, another example my sister-in-law had um, <laughs> something on her nose and, you know, it just kind of, you know, appeared and then she paid attention to it and then she was like, well, it's kind of growing or, you know, I don't know. And it was, it was cancerous, you know, and they had to go and remove it. And it was really deep. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. Pay attention yeah, to your sister. Yeah, if you catch my them sister earlier, had this kind little invasive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. My sister had this little fleshy, um, you know, it just kind of looked like a little fleshy bump, you know, and she really didn't think much of it. And it, it grew a little bit and then it stopped. But um, then she ended up having the most surgery, and she had an enormous, it was very, very deep, you know, so that, you know, preventative and catching it early is is really so important. My goodness. Yeah, she she kicks herself yeah. now. She's like, I kept saying, you want to get that looked at? And she kept saying, well, I mean, it's just fleshy color. It just looks like, you know, I'm getting older. I mean, how many people use that, you know, to to nullify what, you know, instead of going to the doctor saying, oh, I'm just, I'm getting older, my skin's changing, I'm aging, and you're like, no, mm-hmm. that, that, that's not normal. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, she wishes count. she had, yeah, she wishes she had dealt with it much earlier because it wouldn't have spread, you know, and what, what you see on the top doesn't necessarily indicate what's going on below that particular growth, you know. I mean, there's, there could that's be a right. lot of, yeah, yeah. To let the experts handle that one, right? <laughs> Go in and mm-hmm. let them handle that, deciding what that's what that is. That's a great that's a great tip. Getting it checked out. Mm-hmm. Now, one of my favorite questions. I love this subject. What are some of the Uh-oh. best <laughs> and worst? This is my because I I always say, Dr. Cates. I tell people, no matter how much you spend on your skincare. Nothing is going to replace a good meal and a good night's sleep, some good nutrition and, and sleeping. So let's talk about some of the best and worst foods for skin. It's an awesome subject. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. And I think a lot of times people think about what they eat as an, it has an impact on their skin. And unfortunately, most dermatologists still are kind of in this belief system that what you eat doesn't <laughs> impact your skin. And, and it always... Yeah, it always surprises me. I mean, the American Academy of Dermatology just made a, they had a position paper, came out recently on acne saying that diet doesn't impact, doesn't, isn't oh linked to. Oh my gosh, are um, you serious? Yes, <laughs> and crazy. even though there there's studies done by dermatologists um, on on various foods and how they can impact the skin. So it's it's kind of surprising. Um but I, I mean, I have lots of friends that are dermatologists, and there are those that do understand the connection between what we eat and our our skin. But unfortunately, a lot of dermatologists still don't believe it. Um, so yes, what we do, our lifestyle, what we eat, what you know, what we how we live, the stress, sleep you mentioned, those all play a really big role in in the health of our skin. What we put on our skin is really important too, and we'll talk about that in a moment. So I don't want to negate that, the importance of that, but 
um, let's talk about food. So um, I'd love to share with your audience um, my my best and worst foods for skin cheat sheet. It's a downloadable PDF, and it talks about it talks about this more in detail. Is could I share that with you all? You have a link to awesome. put up on your website. Please. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. So I'll share that with you. But let's just talk about a couple of those foods. Um, some of the worst foods for skin. You already named it. It was sugar. And sugar is definitely one of the biggest problem foods for skin. And, and really, it's sugar or anything that turns to sugar in the body because it has to do with the changes in our blood sugar. So if we eat sugar in excess or we eat foods like a high-carbohydrate meal that turns to sugar or honey, agave syrup, any of those other kinds of things that turn to sugar, what happens is it increases our blood sugar it, which causes insulin to increase. And that increase in insulin will increase androgen activity and sebum production. And those are the two things that are known to trigger the acne outbreaks. So that, that it, there is definitely a, a correlation between eating sugar or having, you know, elevating your blood sugar and having acne outbreaks. So that is one of the big reasons, especially for people with acne. It's also a pro-inflammatory food. So even people with hives that tend to have t- tendency to like eczema or other chronic skin issues, it's going to be more pro-inflammatory. It's going to trigger more of those kinds of reactions. And then when it comes to aging, and you know, none of us are getting any younger. We're all getting older, right? <laughs> so we want to make sure that we continue to, to look our best and at least look our age, if not younger, right? <clears throat> um, what happens with that is that we, when we have um, high blood sugar, our, uh, we'll, we'll get these um, advanced glycation end products that will bind to the collagen on our skin and cause it to become more rigid and less elastic. So then that causes our skin to wrinkle more, more quickly and also sag. So the collagen damage is something that we don't want to happen. No, mm. no, 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 definitely no. Flower filled <laughs> moment. That is a definite no. We do not want that. <laughs> okay. And, and so I'm not saying you can never eat sugar, um, but it's more about what your blood sugar is doing. So I think it's good for people to get their blood sugar tested. Um, when they go in for their regular checkups and their regular blood work. And I really like people to shoot for a fasting blood sugar of around 80, 85, but not higher than that. And so if you just, if you run it, a lot of times the doctors will just tell you if it's under 100, it's normal. But I feel like that 85 to 100 range is still, even though it's considered normal, it's not optimal. So that's, so, you know, take a look at that number. And if that is tending to be high, then that's something that you want to pay attention to. And I have to just pipe in here uh, just a personal experience of mine that an A1C happens to be just a little bit more accurate than a fasting glucose for people that might seriously be struggling with some blood sugar fluctuations. Because I've seen many people who come out normal in that fasting blood sugar, uh, particularly people who spend a lot of time or have to drive quite a ways to the lab. Um, You know, it can give you uh, a number that's not necessarily accurate. And then the A1C can be much higher, which is, you know, that's just my experience. So for those people who get those normal fasting blood sugars and they're like, I just don't feel right, that A1C yeah. may be a little, uh, a little bit uh, telltale of something else. 
just a personal yeah, experience. Usually if people, yeah, usually if people are in the 80, 85 range of a fasting blood sugar, usually their hemoglobin A1C is normal. But what hemoglobin A1C is really great. Um, not, not all doctors will just run that randomly, So, but people no, generally they have had fasting blood sugar. But you need to, people can definitely request that because a fasting blood sugar is just a snapshot in time. It tells you exactly what your blood sugar was doing at the moment when you had your blood sugar drawn. But with a hemoglobin A1C, it tells you more about what your blood sugar does over time. So it's definitely a better indicator. Um, just not everybody has had it done. So. Um, if you're going right. in to get your blood work done, you can have both done, and that'd be great. Sometimes insurance won't cover it, though, unless it's medi- considered unless medically they do necessary. It right. Yeah. And there's, unless that, that fasting glucose, which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> but, I know, yeah. All right. So any other so, worst foods that you... Yeah, so another big one is dairy products for skin issues. It is one of the big trigger foods. And it doesn't mean that you can never eat dairy and nobody should eat dairy. Um, But if you do have chronic skin issues, it would be worth it to try cutting out dairy for 10 days and see how you do, how your skin changes. And even if you feel like your skin's pretty good, but maybe not great, you could try cutting out this and some of the other foods that are on the, the top worst foods for skin um, on, my, on my downloadable cheat sheet that you, you guys can all get. Um, you can try cutting those out for 10 days and then just see how your skin does because sometimes people don't realize that their skin could be even better <laughs> than, it, than right. it, and it currently is. So the thing with dairy is it is a more pro-inflammatory food. It's an acidic food. And the, the nature of dairy is that it, it comes from a lactating mammal, so they're going to be hormones in the dairy, in any kind of dairy product. And even if it's organic and, um, you know, came from your neighbor's farm, um, it's just the nature of the fact that it comes from a lactating mammal, it's going to have hormones in it. And that can be really difficult, especially if there is a hormonal component as an underlying factor for the skin issue. Um, so that's something to think about. And, again, it's more pro-inflammatory food, so it, it can exacerbate things like eczema, psoriasis. So it is one of the big trigger foods. Dr. Cates, do you think there's any difference between raw dairy and, and, um, you know, and just regular dairy? Or you think just, of course, that, you know, like you said, lactating animal. But do you think raw can be better for people that may just be on the borderline? Or any thoughts on that? Well, as far as skin goes, I haven't seen a difference. Now, as far as the the value that the nutritional value of the milk if you can find a really clean source that is reliable that you're not concerned about contamination for raw dairy i think i think it's a healthier option but when i see people with skin issues unfortunately it it is you know and here's the thing it doesn't mean that somebody's going to have to avoid dairy for the rest of their life but when they're in this inflammatory state i call Skin, a lot of these skin issues, I call them skin inflammation because the biggest trigger is this internal inflammation that then shows up on the skin. So until you deal with the inflammation, anything like dairy and sugar and these other trigger foods are going to make it worse until you address like the, the inflammation. Now, once you, yeah. yeah, once you reduce that inflammation, then sometimes you can eat some of it, you know, eat some, maybe some raw cheeses and, and yogurts and things like that. But until you address that, it, it, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a contributing factor. Right. It reminds me of, like, you know, alcohol consumption. 
uh, with people with metabolic issues. You know, you can't, it just will rock your world until that's, you know, unless until you have Mm -hmm. a somewhat healthier, you know, it's easier to have a drink or so here and there, but until then, it's, you know, so it's a, it's a bucket overfilled deal. That's, that's an awesome um, example. Yeah, yeah. All right. But so any other let's words? Let's talk about the good food. Let's talk about the good food. Like you're depressing me. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so let's talk about the foods that are good for skin because certainly um, it's just as important to be eating the foods that are good that are going to nourish your body from the inside out. So one of my favorite foods is wild Alaskan salmon. And the reason why I love wild Alaskan salmon is that it's high in omega-3s, which are anti-inflammatory, which is going to help reduce that inflammation that's a big trigger for skin, skin issues, that skin inflammation. And so I love, I love um, salmon for that reason. Also, salmon, what gives it that, one of the things that gives it that pink color is the antioxidant astaxanthin. And astaxanthin is a really potent antioxidant that helps protect our skin from the inside out. And so I, I love wild salmon for that. And I'm saying wild Alaskan salmon, just as that's the best source of it. Um, wild is going to be much, much better than farm-raised. In fact, I tell people just to avoid farm salmon because of the concerns about the environmental um, exposures within those, the PCBs and such that are commonly in um, farm-raised salmon. And also, mm-hmm. farm-raised salmon isn't going to have the same levels of omega-3s and the, um, um, the levels of astaxanthin. So it's not going to be as healthy for a number of reasons as getting wild. And isn't that crazy? I mean, let's keep talking positive after this, but isn't that crazy yeah. that, that there's PCBs in, in, and you can trace the levels of PCBs in, in salmon? I mean, can you imagine, you know, 100 years ago? I just, it's amazing and it's scary. It is, and it's really unfortunate because fish is one of those foods. They're just such, it's such a perfect food for us mm-hmm. to nourish our bodies for so many reasons, but unfortunately it's not as easy to find really clean sources of fish. So, But wild Alaskan salmon does seem to be a safer, um, cleaner version of fish than some of the other ones out there. So, And it has all these great skin benefits. I'm so excited I have to share with you because we have a um – a wild-caught Alaskan uh, salmon family farmer that's going to be coming into the Joshua Tree Farmer's Market. So I'm so excited this Saturday. I'm going to be like, woo-hoo. <laughs> Super right. excited for that. Cause I, yeah, I know, right? Because we, you know, unfortunately living up here, I don't know, Dr. Cates, have you ever been to Joshua Tree? No, I haven't. Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, it's a wonderful place, but it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, so to speak. But so we get Vons, and Vons will get in this Russian salmon, and, you know, every now and again they'll get in that, you know, uh, wild caught. But for the most part, it's, you know, it's farm-raised, so we don't we don't yeah. eat it. So I'm so excited. This is like a huge thing. And they show pictures <laughs> of their family on the boat and catching it and freezing it, and I just love oh, that. Great. I'm so excited. <laughs> that's so great. Yeah, well, the good news is that you don't have to live in Alaska to, to get right. wild Alaskan salmon. Um, you, I mean, there, there are great companies like um, Vital Choice Seafood. Is If you're not familiar with that company, they, they will ship um, wild salmon to you wherever you are. It's frozen, but it's delicious. And they have canned salmon, smoked salmon, you know, pieces of salmon. So, you know, you can still get it regardless of wherever you live as long as you can receive mail. 
Right. As long as you're right. Yay. Thank God for that. Right. Thank God for mail. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I don't know. In Costa Rica, it, it's, um, you know, it, it was uh, a little different receiving receiving mail there. I'm not sure it would have been good by the time they, they got it to me, but probably everywhere, everywhere else in the world. Yes. <laughs> Just crazy living there. Um, okay. You so know what? Give I, us, give it. What? Go ahead. No, I was going to say, Dr. Cates, I don't know if you're familiar, but when I first met Dana here, I was thinking, you know, living in Costa Rica, she'd have all this, you know, grass-fed beef and all of these these great fresh you know, vegetables and stuff like that. <laughs> and it wasn't like that at all. I was so blown away by that. Yeah, no, it yeah, was not. It's surprising. I mean, you can get yeah, it, yeah, it and, uh, when you live in the in the more, you know, touristy cities and things like that. But we didn't. We lived in a great little mountain town. It was fabulous. And eventually, you know, we got pink Alain sea salt, and that was like the biggest deal. And organic foods, you know, you really <laughs> couldn't get. But I could get organic um, coconut water, pipa, agua de pipa. And it was my absolute favorite. And um, since I've, you know, relocated for now to Colorado. I can't get it. And Travis walked in and teased me today before the show because my husband oh, no. would walk in and then he would give me um, a glass of water with lemon and he would bring me a uh, fresh pipa before every, every show. So this morning he goes, okay, here's your water. You want some pipa? And I was like, huh, it's not funny. <laughs> it was, it's so crazy good for you and fresh and wonderful. I was like, it's not funny. It's not, it's not. But that was one of the, the wonderful things I could get. And it, and I do miss it. I, I crave it. I could, and I drink it every single day, every single day, every single day. Oh, I miss it. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> oh no, honey. That's a bummer. Okay. So wild Alaskan salmon, those omega threes, what are some other of Dr. Kate's favorites? Best foods for skin. Well, another one is uh, um, avocados. Avocados are high in monounsaturated fats and polyphenols. And so when it comes to foods that are good for skin, it's the ones that contain the good oils, not the bad oils, but the good oils, um, like like the monounsaturated fats, omega-3s, and also antioxidants. And, and like I mentioned with astaxanthin and the polyphenols, those help protect our skin from the inside out from oxidative damage. It helps protect our body overall. There are a lot of reasons why we want to have antioxidants in our diet, but it's the same with skin. And because with our exposure to sun and pollution in our air, water, and food, and personal care products, we do have oxidative damage on a, on a regular basis. And also as we age, oxidative damage naturally occurs more readily, I mean, more uh, quickly in the body. So we want to consume antioxidants even more as we get older to help reverse that, prevent those changes that, you know, show up on our skin as wrinkles, sagging skin. So we, you know, hyperpigmentation changes in our our skin tone. Those things do show show up as, as we get older, especially if we're not careful about um, getting plenty of antioxidants in our diet. So those are some of the things to think about when you're the, the, with the good foods. And um, again, I'll, I'll provide that um, link to the cheat sheet so you guys can, so, you, so the listeners can have all our foods. Awesome. Well, that's awesome. I'm super excited. Huh? Yeah. Super yeah, excited that's fantastic. for that. You're right. And, and, but I want to jump to, to skin and, and skincare line and products and, and all the bad stuff and all the good stuff. Let's do it. Okay. 
before we do that, um, I know I've talked a little bit about there are different underlying causes that cause skin issues. And so if, if people have questions about that, um, I have an online quiz that can help people identify what maybe their underlying causes might be if they have skin issues oh, or cool. they're maybe concerned. Um, so it's theskinquiz.com, theskinquiz.com, and it's a free online quiz. People can just answer a few questions, and it'll give you help you identify what maybe your underlying triggers and underlying causes that might be holding you back from having that beautiful glowing skin. So I just oh, wanted to mention awesome. that. And so, yeah, now let's just dive into skincare. All right. So what are some, let's see, should we go for good ingredients or bad ingredients? Let's, let's go for bad ingredients. <laughs> what are some of the ingredients in skincare that people should just know, just know, avoid altogether? Run. Yeah. I, yeah, it's. It is it's shocking how many ingredients there are in skincare products that we really should be avoiding. And um you know, in the in the in Europe and the with the European Union, they've banned over a thousand ingredients in personal care products. <laughs> in the US <laughs> F, the US FDA has only banned eleven ingredients. So it there's a huge difference. And so they really leave it up to the consumer to to do, you know, do your due diligence, and they leave it up to the manufacturers to make products for us that are going to be safe. Now, I, I know, um, I know how expensive I make my own skincare line. I know how expensive it can be to use natural ingredients, mm-hmm. and how much cheaper it would be, and how much longer they last if you use some of these synthetic ingredients. But the problem is, is that we are exposed to these in our personal care products. There are safety concerns with them, and we're already exposed to toxins in our air and our water and our food. And then to top it off, we're putting them on our skin, putting them in our hair, um, uh, deodorants, all these kinds of things that we know do get absorbed through the skin to varying degrees, but we do know that these ingredients can get into the body and create problems. And one of the biggest concerns with some of these ingredients is the endocrine-disrupting chemicals. And so endocrine-disrupting chemicals are in, and then they're also in our air, water, food as well. Things like pesticides are endocrine-disrupting chemicals. So that means that they, they throw off our hormones. They can mimic hormones. They can block hormone receptors. And, and so we want to be really careful with these. Um, I want to give you some examples of things to look for. And uh, unfortunately, you know, there are many ingredients. So right, it would be good right. to go to places just big, like... Just the big are, ones. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go over a couple of them. But if you want more information, you can go to websites like um, Environmental Working Group, ewg.org. They have a Skin Deep database um, that has a lot of information. Also, the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics is another website with a lot of great information. Mm-hmm. And then my website, thespadoctor.com. I've written some blogs on this. And um, the spa doctor is dr. Um, uh, period, not doctor spelled out. And um, but so one of the examples is something you find in a lot of products, and that's fragrance. Um, fragrance, synthetic fragrance, is a word that that manufacturers can put on the label and not have to disclose a lot of ingredients that are within that, which is kind of a scary thing if you if you think about the fact that um, you want to be able to read your ingredient labels and and see what's in there, but unfortunately a lot of things could be hidden under fra- the word fragrance. 
So one right. of the examples of something over twenty five under over twenty five hundred chemicals tucked in that one word can fit under that, that under fragrance. So there's a lot that can go into that one yeah. word. Right. Yeah, that's craziness. So I'm going to give you one example. <laughs> um, one example is diethyl phthalate. Diethyl phthalate is a type of phthalate, and phthalates are plasticizing agents, which means they're what's in um, plastic water bottles and different types of plastics that make them flexible. Um, they use diethyl phthalate in fragrance because it's used as sort of a preservative for the fragrance to make the smell last longer, to let it last a long time. The concern is that diethyl phthalate is a known endocrine disrupting chemical. And, and, um, and we do know that it does get absorbed into the body. The National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey found metabolites of diethyl phthalate and other phthalates in over 75% of samples in the United States in the population that they tested. So it is something that is, we are exposed to on a regular basis, and we know that has endocrine-disrupting effects. Will you spell that just for the listeners so, we can, so they can start looking for it? Yeah, some of these words are so um, big. But now the problem is, is it's hidden under the word fragrance, so it's not going to be listed under the right, ingredient label. Listed. But it's spelled D-I-E-T-H-Y-L is diethyl, and phthalate is P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E, and it's sometimes abbreviated D-E-P, diethyl phthalate. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so that's one example. Um, I would say um, another big one are uh, parabens. Parabens are in a lot of our personal care products. This is one that the manufacturers are really fighting on. They, they still think that it's safe to use as a preservative. But the problem is, is that parabens are known xenoestrogens, which means they have mm -hmm. estrogenic activity in the body. And parabens have been found in breast tumors, and yet a lot of skincare companies are still denying that that, that means anything. Um, so the fact that in, in a study, there was a study that showed, that showed parabens and breast tumor tissues, um, the fact that they're there and that study exists doesn't necessarily mean that parabens cause breast cancer, but the fact that they were found there means that parabens are being absorbed into the body and they're being taken up into breast tumors. That's, mm -hmm. that's not a good sign. And so there are a lot of, uh, a lot of issues with that. You, what you look for on the label. Now, you will see these listed on the label. Look for things like propylparaben, benzylparaben, methylparaben, butylparaben. Um, those are some of the things that you want to look for. They're also in, found in addition to things like cosmetics and skincare products. They're also found in, in certain medications, especially topical medications. Mm -hmm. They're sometimes used in those as well. So that's another source of exposure to people. Um, they are found a little bit in food, but the primary source of exposure, according to research, is from personal care products. That's a flower field right there. Not a good flower field, but that's just, you know, because I think about One of how many things that those are in. Oh, yeah. I mean, just. When you're reading labels and you see those things just repetitive, I mean, that's unfortunately part of the toxicity problem, too, is they, they study it in small amounts rather than total exposure, which is a whole different ballgame. 
It's true. And that's one of the reasons why they're continuing to use it is because they say, oh, it's such a small amount, it's not going to have an impact on you. Right. Um, or your body's not going to actually absorb it. Or, or, you know, there's not really a concern. But the problem is, is like you said, they're in so many different things. And, and we get all these different exposures in different places, and that's just parabens and diethyl phthalate. So that's just two, two right. small components of all the different things that can potentially disrupt your hormones, or that could be even carcinogenic. Another example of a, a, an ingredient or a type of ingredients that are in personal care, uh, personal care products are formaldehyde releasers. And you won't see the word formaldehyde releaser um, or formaldehyde usually on the container, but what you will see are um, things like DMDM hydantoin or bronopol, or there are these big long names. So if you people just do a search, you can do a Google search for formaldehyde releasers and you'll see pull up the actual how to spell each of those different types of chemicals. But this, this group of chemicals um, are used as, as preservatives. And what happens is when, when you rub skincare products onto your skin that contain these ingredients, their formaldehyde is released into the air around you. And so they also, it also can be absorbed somewhat through the skin as well. We do know that formaldehyde, it's a, it's a known carcinogen, it's, and, um, and it's most toxic when inhaled. So, again, it's just one of those things, like, if you are doing, using all these different products and, um, and if you've got pesticide in your food and you're not filtering your water or you live in a busy city and there's air pollution, um, you're, it, it's just this total load that's going to add up over time. And that's my biggest concern um, is the products that people use on a day-to-day basis. And that's why when I created my skincare line, I created a daily essentials system for the products that you use every day, you know, your cleanser, serum, moisturizer, those kinds of things, that's where you want to be particularly careful. If you go to a spa once a month or a few times a year and they, you know, they put some stuff on your skin that you don't know what it is, it's probably okay. Your your body will probably be able to to do a good job of removing that. But when you're using it every day, yeah, that's what I'm concerned about. Boy, I'll tell you, when I say, I mean, just the, the subject alone, and then I think about, you know, other things that get included in skin care that can increase the skin absorption, even essential oils, you know, that, that increase that skin absorption when they're, when they're tied with a toxic ingredient, just, oh, my gosh, that's a whole nother show. <laughs> that's a whole nother show. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, so you touched a little bit on why, um, or creating your own skincare line, but was this is a big reason why I'm assuming that you decided to create your own this constant exposure, right? Yeah, and it was something that when when my patients were coming in to see me, talking to me about skin issues, they would um, I would tell them make sure you choose natural skincare products because you don't want that. In addition, you know, I, in addition to talking to them about filtering their water and maybe getting an air purifier for their home and the, getting, choosing organic produce. I would also tell them choose natural skincare products, personal care products. Right. Uh, so one of the things that patients were asking me was, okay, I, I found some products, but they're not working. They're not helping my skin. So I started doing some research because the feedback I got from dermatologists was, you know, you have to kind of choose between natural or effective, but you can't find skincare products that are both natural and effective. And I thought, well, that's 
can't be true because I know the healing power of nature. I <laughs> know the power of nature. On that one. <laughs> right? Right. Oh, my and goodness. So right. I just... Yeah, I started doing a little research, and I realized the problem is a lot of this natural skincare products out there, they're not that well formulated. And so I realized that there are three keys for natural and effective skincare. First, it's got to not have those harmful ingredients, some of the ones that we mentioned already. But it's not just that. That's not where we stop. It also needs to contain natural actives. You want the most potent forms of the CoQ10, green tea, uh, vitamin E, those kinds of ingredients we know are so great for the skin. We want to make sure they're in their active, potent form. So sometimes skincare products will say oh, it contains CoQ10 or something along those lines, but it actually is the last ingredient in the product or it has a, a form that your skin's not going to really absorb. Um, so that's the second thing. It's got to contain natural actives. And the third thing is that our skincare products need to be mildly acidic. Our skin has a natural mild acidity of a 4 to 5 pH range. And when we use skincare products that have a higher pH um, of over 5.5, that actually disrupts the pH of our skin. It actually disrupts the skin microbiome. The skin microbiome are those microorganisms that live on and protect our skin, keeps us from having breakouts, from having eczema, acne, all these different skin issues, as well as premature aging. So when we, um, when we use skincare products that have that mild acidity, it's going to help support our skin, our natural skin pH and the natural skin microbiome. So that's why I mentioned earlier, it, it's important to, to do things like eat healthy and get good sleep and manage your stress. It's really important. But also what you put on your skin makes a big difference too. And that is something that I did not know about as a naturopathic physician until, until I started doing all this research to create the Spot Doctor's, uh, the Spot Doctor's skincare line. You know, I wanted to just kind of go back to in the early 90s when I was modeling, there was a woman that came and handed out a whole bunch of books to this large cattle call of models. So for people that are more interested in toxic chemicals and things like that and, and what they're derived from and how they can be sneaky marketed and all these different things, there are some great books out there. I know the one that was actually given uh, to us in the 90s. My gosh, I think I actually have that that book somewhere too. I'm going to have to look for that. But it was called Beauty to Die For. And for me, that was just mm-hmm. an enormous eye opener, you know, way back when, when it was, yeah. you know, before it really became popular, all these chemicals and things like that. But there are some great books out there too that uh, people can learn more about those toxic chemicals and, and what they're yeah. derived from. Because a lot of times. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, there are lots of great good resources. Um, my book is not out yet, but I do have a book coming out in March Yay! of 2017. Is it going to be? Uh, yes. Um, 17th so of, it's called, uh, March did you 17, say the 17th? March of, two, no, March 15th oh, of 2017. Yeah. March and, 17th. Um, awesome. Yeah. And um, so it's called Clean Skin from Within, and it is <clears throat> includes my two-week program that I put people on to help them clear up their skin issues. I talk about the foods to eat and rest. I have lots of recipes in the book. I also have do-it-yourself skincare recipes, and I have um, a whole list of, of ingredients to avoid, and this is why, oh, and these wow, are better awesome. natural alternatives. What's the name? Yeah. Dr. Casey, have a name clean, for the book yet? Yeah, yeah Clean Skin from Within. Oh, very cool. All right, March 17th, we may have to have you back for that. For that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you. 
Well, that, that's uh, I didn't even I didn't know you had a book coming out, so that's very exciting. <laughs> How um, that's wonderful and clean skin from within. That's perfect. Love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I guess you know we've told everybody where to find you, but I just wanted to thank you for coming on because I know we've we tried to get you on the show before and it didn't work out for you mm-hmm. or for me. And I just really appreciate it. Um, you have such wonderful information and you're such vibrant with your glowing skin and everything. And I just uh, I just wanted to thank you. Oh, thank you. It's been so much fun coming on today. Yeah, we thank like you to, so like much, Dr. Kate. Yeah, we like to try to make Sorry. it a little bit different. And I know it's okay. I just wanted to ask. Um, okay, so sometimes I ask, what did you, what did you have for breakfast? But where are you? Are you there yet? Uh, yeah, you're. Have you had breakfast yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I I typically have. Um, something similar in the mornings. I generally make a smoothie. It's just so easy to do. And I, that way I'm sure to, to get in everything that, that I want to get. Um, what I do is I have, um, I have um, a supplement uh, shake mix and I use that as my all-in-one shake mix. I use a scoop of that as a vanilla uh, flavored uh, pea protein based um, shake. And then I add uh, a glass of unsweetened coconut milk or almond milk into that and a handful of frozen berries or cherries or some other kind of frozen fruit and a handful of greens of some kind like uh, spinach or kale or just lettuce and I will just blend that up and sometimes I'll add other if I'm feeling creative maybe I'll add some other things in there too but that's that's the base of it every morning uh, for the most part that's what I'm doing. Well, okay, cool. Smoothie. Awesome. It's nice to know. You know, we ask, we sometimes catch the guests off guard, and, and, and one time we asked Andrea Beeman what she had, and, oh, my gosh, Tiffany and I were ready to jump on the next plane. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, had the, she had had the best meal, that best meals, I think, by the time we talked to her. Uh, we were ready to just get on the plane. And, oh, and sorry, I I'm not. This morning. I know, I was going to say sorry, it's not you today, but that's okay. We kind of wanted to ask. It's so fun to just kind of see what people do. And, well, and uh, starting the day with a shake is, is a, a good way to do it. And it's quick and easy and good for you. So, so thanks for sharing. And, easy, and thanks yeah. for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And we will talk more um, with the guests, the listeners, about where to find you. And the free gift um, is, I think you mentioned your five, um, your cheat sheet. Uh-huh. Five best and worst foods for skin. Five mm-hmm. best and worst foods. Okay. Well, thank you, awesome. ma'am. It was fabulous. Have a fantastic day in Utah, and we will talk to you soon. Great. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Cade. Uh-huh. All right. That was awesome. And you can find all things Dr. Cade's at thespadoctordr.com. She's got a great blog and all kinds of links and fabulous things. And excited for that book. In March, that's going to be very cool. I'm very excited, right? We got a little tip there. Tip on the book. Yeah, coming. that's awesome. Yeah, we did. We got a little sneak peek. We got some some secret news, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Very cool. <sighs> <sighs> right, we always have to just take a breather after that. Hey, did I tell you I'm doing biofeedback? friend of mine is doing biofeedback with me teach me how to breathe and you can see and it's so amazing i can't even tell you well maybe i need to do that <clears throat> you know i'm not a very good breather so i know i, know. I can't I know. wait to hear about it 
Yes, yes. When we visit together, we're going to go and see her because it was it was really, really amazing. And I took in like thirty percent more oxygen. I my brain felt different, Dana. I'm dead serious. My brain felt different, and my voice actually changed. It got like deeper. It was very cool. I was like, and what I love about it, because I'm such a, you know, like visual person, you know, and the biofeedback is your breathing. They give you an example of how, you know, how your breathing should look. And then, of course, you see how your breathing looks, which, you know, mine looked more like an EKG than it, like, like it was supposed to be breathing. <laughs> but you can tangibly see the fact that it's not not right. You know what I'm saying? So then... You try to breathe and mimic this this pattern, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, so I just got. A oh, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up right now. I'm looking it up right now. It's amazing. In my area, <laughs> and I've heard so many amazing things about it, and you know, um, yeah. So to to get it, she wanted to do a little teaser with me. Well, we had booked it for an hour and a half, but then we were chatting, you know, because we're friends. So I got we got a little off track, but I'm going back tomorrow for an hour, man. I'm excited. That sounds very cool. Very, my brain more about it. I'm gonna try it. Felt very different, significantly different. So I was really excited. Yeah, I just had to share that with you, and share that well, with okay. anybody. Okay, thank you. Biofeedback. Yeah, thank you. Very thank cool. You. <laughs> Don't forget our Not our just, guest today. Uh, Dr. Trevor um, Hates, she's fantastic. She's got so much information on her blog. It is the spadr.com, the spadoctor.com. And uh, she, she, mentioned, she mentioned her freebies, so check those out. And let's see, who do we have next week? Peter Osborne. That should be interesting. He's got some oh, very cool, cool stuff to talk about. Right. So that'll be a great show. And as always, thank you to our listeners. Um, we wouldn't do this if it weren't for you, so we really appreciate you being here. And and, you know, if you want to share your thyroid cyber story, of course, we'll publish that on the website. It always helps people, makes everybody feel like they're not so alone. So so you can check that out. You can also check out all the blog uh, posts and articles. We have some skin. I think we have an article from Dr. Kate's on, on our website as well. So you can check that out. Oh, very cool. And, of course, please feel free to check out Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com. And uh, enjoy products like Brain Awake Inhaler. <laughs> hint, hint. I'm just that's a that's a poke at Dana. Uh, mm-hmm. which is a facial toner, which is amazing essential oils like myrrh and frankincense, and Call Me Pretty Complexion Mist and Serum. Uh, Love Potion, which is one of Dana's favorites. Uh, Counting Sheep, which is one of my my many clients' favorites. So please feel free to check those out. Synthetic and preservative free skincare. And what I love is very logical, super simple ingredients, very easily definable, easy to look up, uh, long history of usage. Um, so that's why we chose to, to formulate those with that and with essential oils to help ease thyroid symptoms. So and and I know that we, had, that. that we had uh, Dr. Kate's on today, and she has her skincare line, and there's essential oils in she that. I don't think we got line, to yeah. very many of yeah, she's got a great skincare line too, so be sure and check that out. And then hop I on over. I was kind of hoping we ours. would get there. Right? <laughs> I know. I, I wanted, wanted to talk um, essential oils and skin, huh? I know, right? But we didn't get there. So, 
So check out her skincare line. Hers is a, a four-step process. Ours are totally different, and uh, they're just a support for your thyroid. So check them both out. Make sure Absolutely. to follow Nation on um, Facebook and all the social media uh, outlets that there are. And please tune in um, or check out the Hoshis and Graves Facebook support group. You can learn lots of great information and see who the upcoming guest is for next week's show and ask questions and get involved. So check that out. Absolutely. And Dana and I always want to remind you again that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation with yourself. So please plug in. You know, uh, different uh, skin care is better for different people, and your body will tell you everything it needs to know. Like Dr. Kate's talked about today, you know, your skin is going to show you when things are not going copacetically. So food-wise, sleep-wise, topically applied things. So please make sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you. Yes, yes. Amen to that. This is Dana, your Thyroid Nation Gringatica from Costa Rica, living in Colorado. <laughs> and Tiffany Milanich of Grateful Garden. Bringing the collective voice of Thyroid Thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thanks, guys.